Hey, great podcast for uh, Monday morning. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm up on the dating block again. We explain uh, in the show. We also have uh, Dr. Gold with us, the woman who was fired uh, last week from her job. She tells an amazing story. We have another woman uh, that is about 70 who might be going to jail for opening up her business in uh, Arizona. And a guy who might bring some sanity. Tomorrow is the primary for the GOP in Washington State. There's a guy who's never been in politics before. He's the chief of police, and he wants Washingtonians to give him the governorship. All this and more on today's podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. You're not a you're not a football fan, but uh, the Pac-12 playing in their conference only schedule this year because because of COVID nineteen. I guess they're going to be mm-hmm. protected inside the conference somehow. But if they played somebody outside the conference, they'd be completely infected with the disease. <laughs> but uh, spoken as a, a true BYU fan <laughs> yes, who's very pissed who's off, lost three games mm-hmm. because of the Pac-12 mm-hmm. and seven overall. But uh, they've they've there's a group of players. Uh, 13 have signed this demand list, but there's apparently hundreds of players who are on board with this, and they're not. Well, going... let's hear the demands. Yeah, okay, they're no, not going to hear the demands. They've got. Yeah. They've got to be reasonable. Oh, they are. Reasonable. They're completely reasonable, and and I think the Pac-12 mm-hmm. can deliver on all these things. Uh, okay. but they will not play football until these demands uh, are met, and they include okay. health and safety precautions. Okay, okay. completely reasonable. Yeah, totally reasonable. Right? You don't totally get, reasonable. They don't want to get COVID-19. I don't blame them. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The elimination of what players described as excessive salaries, I can only think that means the <laughs> coaches <laughs> yeah. and the administrators. Okay, so just we'll change the yeah. salary structure Completely. of the entire conference. Okay. So no more millionaire coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I assume I don't know oh. how much is okay for them okay. to make fifty thousand, sixty thousand. I don't. I don't know. Now, are now do they do the, do they extend this out to if they are going to be no you know, no? And I'll tell you why because basketball and no, they want a profit no. sharing arrangement in which fifty percent of each sports conference revenue would be distributed evenly among the athletes, so they can receive millions. And excessive uh, salaries, but the coaches and administrators cannot. And this is part of the systemic racism, is, yes, I assume. Okay. Exactly right. And this is college, right? Yes. This is college. Yes, this, this is, is not college. business. Yeah, okay. right. Okay. All right. Because one's one, paying to go there, and the other is being paid to coach or to teach, right? I mean, just I just want to make sure I have the system down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's confusing because it is sports. Well, so but I, the know. athletes don't, of course, pay to go there. They're on scholarship, and they they're uh, on yeah, right. They go over there right. for free. Okay, so it's but the scholarship for free mm-hmm. that doesn't count as compensation, right? No, that okay. doesn't count. Okay, neither does mm-hmm. the education. That doesn't count. Okay, got it. All right, it doesn't count. Yeah, and there's right, one okay. more little thing that they want. Uh, and that's an mm-hmm. end to racial injustice in sports and society. <laughs> so, oh, now, I, I, I think the, I think the no. Pac-12 has been withholding their ability to end <laughs> racial injustice in society, and I'm pissed about it. I've been thinking well, the same thing. Uh, no. F- Finally, somebody has just asked for it. I mean, <laughs> right, yeah. right. Now, you I, know, it's been up on that shelf <laughs> the whole time, and it's like, 
Oh, thank God. Somebody finally, finally asked. Said it. Okay, yeah. now right. we'll end it. Now, Pat, I know you're not a, wow. necessarily a representative uh, in this uh, particular negotiation. Right. But if you could kind of put your negoti- negotiating hat on for just a moment. Okay. What if <laughs> we were able, as the PAC, as the PAC 10, uh, two, two or 12, mm-hmm. to get... To just eliminate racial injustice in sports, but it was and left in, in other in other elements of society. Like, for example, mm. I don't know, you know, it's, it's maybe in another country, mm-hmm. maybe uh, in in a different part of the economy. Completely, it still existed in small places, but not in sports at all. It was completely cured. Would that be okay? If it's gone in all Pac-12 cities and states, yeah, okay, I think that's enough. Okay, okay, all right, okay, but outside, but out, but outside of the sport in those cities and and counties and and states Mm -hmm. yeah well no it has to be cleaned out in the societies like in los angeles where usc and ucla reside it has to be completely eliminated from los angeles but you're saying it would be okay let's say in vermont yes to have some societal racial issues but but not in sports it has to be gone in vermont sports (laughs) but it's okay to have it in society in some places well see this is why it doesn't this is why it breaks down because you Mm -hmm. get into this particular thing if it's, I mean, it's, Pat just said it's got to be gone in all of society in those places where mm-hmm. sports is played. Well, sports is played everywhere. So that's why you can never compromise on it. Oh, but I could well. compromise is, in just the Pac-12 conference schools, though. If you're if you're just in those cities and those states, I think we could make <laughs> in a, some sort of we could come to some sort of arrangement there. But I'm wondering if what if they just come up with the profit sharing thing? And uh, equally distribute the conference's wealth among the athletes. Will that be enough you know, I'm before gonna... <laughs> they've ended the racism? I'm going to take a wild stab <laughs> at this one and say yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Would you say, I mean, if you had to say, would you say they preferred <laughs> the, the distribution of the wealth over the getting rid of racism throughout society? Oh, I, I wouldn't go out on that. Oh, then. okay. That no. seems a little too far. Huh? Yeah, that was too far. Or, or not far enough. One and of the two. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Is ending racial injustice in sports and society, I mean, that would be nice. But is it enough? I don't think they should play until the Pac-12 conference also ends hunger and poverty. Mm. Why would you play if those two things are going on? I don't know. I I mean, maybe they should consider. Is that, the ex- is that at the expense <laughs> of education? Because our education system is is pretty piss poor right now. I mean, <laughs> it really you're just going to higgledy piggledy and end mm. injustice and hunger and poverty, but right. do nothing about our schools. <laughs> no, really? Maybe we should add that. No, you're right, Glenn. That's not enough. Maybe we should add that. Uh, and so, and when you're talking about getting rid of all of racial injustice throughout, all, you know, I would assume all universities would have to get rid mm. of this. Um, so all races. Is would this be- internationally too? That's a good good question. Is that international, Pat? Um, Well, if it's in society, I'd say that's international. (laughs) Okay, so it has to be a society. Um, So if... I guess my question would be, they have to get rid of all, all races need to be treated equally, right, throughout mm-hmm. all of society. Yes. So do we need to get rid of, like, affirmative action programs? No, um, no, 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 no. That's part worried, of racial justice. It is. Okay. Yes, that's no, part of racial we, justice. Yeah, we need more of those. We need more of those. We need okay. more of those. Okay. All right, no, that makes a lot of we sense. We need more yes. of, like, the Chinese system, where, they, where those who are racially insensitive or, you know, just racially wrong mm-hmm. are sent Oh, like you know? a camp, like a camp, for instance. Yeah, like a like a yeah. summer camp, except it lasts your whole life, <laughs> <laughs> or at least in, until there's you. No, 
until you come around right. to the right attitude. Uh, right. Well, uh, you'll probably die. And there's also no <laughs> canoeing in this camp. So <laughs> There's no canoeing? What kind of camp? No canoeing. What a crappy No, you camp. still make bracelets and license plates and things, but you don't get to go <laughs> canoeing. Uh, all right. Thank you very much, Pat. Appreciate it. Hey, by the way, did you did you see that the NHL, all the players stood and they're playing for some inexplicable yeah. inexplicable reason in the summer? I, it's an inexplicable reason, Pat, that we don't understand why the National Hockey League had to suspend their season. Can you think of a, a way to explain it? Um, somebody got a cold, I think, or oh, something, okay. or a flu. Terrible. Hang on and just a second. So... Hang on just a second. Hang on just a second. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you think that uh, because, I, I don't know, uh, you know, some TV show is missing a season that they're going to make all those seasons up? No, they're just going to win it. When it is cured, then they will start making new seasons. That's what they'll do. So mm. why is it different? Why you think you think the new TV season would just start in the middle of the summer? No. They would wait until fall. You've missed it's your season. Not. You've missed your opportunity. Play in the winter when you're supposed to. It makes no sense. It's confusing to a lot of people. You know, it's interesting They're, now nowadays. And look, it's a new development. But a lot of hockey's played indoors now, uh, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they can actually control the temperature. Uh, it's also oh, that was played the first in mistake. Warm weather environments <laughs> where the ice would melt outside. Very but they true. They yeah. hold the events yeah, yeah. indoors uh-huh. and therefore are able to hold the events. Huh. Mm. Weird. Yeah. That's weird. And have they cured social justice yet? Have they not cured no. all oh, racial so, inequality? That's, that's no. up to the Pac 12. That's not the NHL's job. <laughs> Bastards. <laughs> this is the best of the Glenn Beck program. And don't forget, rate us on iTunes. Most emergency physicians work at more than one place, and I do, and I've actually been fired from both. Um, and it's exciting, fun times living in America in 2020. Uh, they, they told me that I appeared in an embarrassing video, and therefore I would no longer be welcome to work there. That's exactly hmm. what I want to share with you, which I haven't said to anybody else. I, I said to them, you really ought to place me on administrative leave till the whole thing quiets down and things will go back to normal. Not only do they decline that, okay, they said that if I didn't go quietly into the good night, they would pull the contract for the whole group of doctors. Wait, 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 wait. You mean they, they would, any doctor that stood with you, how, how would they do that? Stand with me. That, right. So emergency doctors work um, like as a group for hospitals. So the group is always vulnerable to losing a contract with the hospital. So they've said to the hospital, the hospital has said to the group, if she doesn't go, we're going to pull the contract from the group. Oh, my gosh. Right, they're well, that's the putting the patients. It's, it's like, yeah, that, yeah no, gonna, that's putting the patients like, first. Yeah, it's really terrible. It's just really, it, I mean, it's just really terrible. They didn't even object to what I was doing. They objected to some other people in the video. Then they said that if I don't go quietly and I make a fuss, then they're going to have all the doctors in the group, you know, have to go. Like, they'll just get a whole new doctor group, as if it's so easy, which it's not. Do you care to, do you care to say the hospital's name? No, nope, I don't. And the reason is, not only do I want to protect my friends, 
um, I don't think it's unique. I think this could have been any hospital USA. Wow. So it's a good thing that you hired a really good attorney last week before this happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, I want to tell you that a lot of people have said, how am I doing? And I said, you know what? This is fine. Bring it on. You know, I want to continue to live in America. I want my children to continue to live in America. I don't want them to grow up in a place that's like China. When you're getting to the point that you, not only that I can't speak as a scientist, as a doctor, for what I know to be absolutely true, you then want to cancel me. You want to cancel my colleagues. This is not okay. I'd much rather fight than not fight. So for everybody who's wondering how I am, I'm doing just fine. And I want everybody to know that there are literally millions and millions of Americans who are on our side. Millions. I believe it's the majority. So I want to talk to you about hydroxychloroquine, um, but I, I have a limited amount of time with you today. Um, so I've kind of Sophie's choice. Is a more, it's a much it's a much more interesting subject. My life is not that interesting. Hydroxychloroquine. No, no, no. But uh, no, wait, 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 wait. I want. I also wanted to ask you about what came out uh, from the CDC director uh, this weekend where they said, we've got to put schools back in place. The CDC warned, quoting, of a significant public health consequence if schools don't reopen. And yet, if you're reopening, you're made to feel like you're a, you know, a, a rooter for the plague. Let's actually understand that there's actually no scientific debate whatsoever if schools should open. None. There's no scientific debate. There's no serious person who thinks that schools shouldn't reopen. Now, there are some governors and policymakers. There's pressure brought to bear on school districts, but there's no actual scientific debate. So it's going to come down to parents pressuring their local school districts to act in a responsible fashion. So why is this happening Simone, that's the one thing I can't get my arms around other than this is a plan to destroy our children, our families, our country. Why? Why is this happening? I'll tell you that I think that in any group of people, you'll have the people that will always work and always be productive. Some people that will never work and never be productive. You have a lot of people in the middle who could be persuaded to go on one side or the other. And I think the left is determining, they're taking that middle group and kind of putting them in the group that is encouraging them to become government dependent, right? Because there's a lot of people in the middle who are like, well, yeah, it's not so bad. I'll just, you know, hang out here and not earn that much, but I'm, you know, I'm okay, right? So they're taking that middle group and making them comfortable with the dependency state. I don't have a better answer. That's truly frightening. As a physician, Especially, I, I resent it. Sorry. Why do you say that? Why do you say that? I resent it because you're 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 not only are you hurting people's physical health, that's for sure. You know, when you're not as wealthy a people, you're not as healthy a people and you miss all kinds of problems. But also it makes people very unhappy not to be productive. It's a requirement of the human condition. I didn't say you have to have paid work, but you must be productive. All the time in the emergency department, I see young, especially men, young men, I work in inner cities a lot, who don't have a particular goal in life, and they're quite miserable at their core. Women, it's a little bit different because often if they don't have a particular productive focus, they'll have children, and that becomes a focus, which is a healthy focus. But the young men especially flail, flail in life. If they're not working, they don't have a job, and they're 21 years old, they're not happy. 
and they're 25 years old and they're 28 years old and it's kind of over for them. And that's what we're doing to a whole generation. I can speak to that very much, very strongly as an emergency physician. We have, we have the CDC. This is the second time they have warned that schools must open up. They're saying there's a really significant public health consequence of school closure. 7.1 million kids get their mental health services at school. They get their nutritional support from school. We're seeing an increase in drug use disorder as well as suicide in adolescent uh, individuals. We're seeing suicides at a record rate now that school is out. Um, uh, how 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 do we fight the media and how do we fight uh, the the haters when you stand up you see what happens so this is the thing I now that I've participated in one school district one region in California that did fight to stay open and I can assure you it wasn't LAUSD it comes down to the local parents putting up a tremendous fuss. They shouldn't have to do this, but they do. And when they do, they, they have a lot more success. And I also don't think that parents should be participating in school districts that are ignoring what's best for children. They can go out and do these things called micro schools. That's where five families get together, 10 families get together. They pull their kids. They hire someone like a college student who's home anyway, and they supervise online school, school programs. And in the afternoon, they go out and do something so that they engage socially. But they should not be putting their tax dollars into a school system that is absolutely not serving them. That's what parents should do. Okay, so wait a minute, wait a minute. So you use the school's online learning, but you have it supervised by some college student? you, You do an online learning program, so you're technically like homeschooling, right? There's a ton okay. of options, tons and tons. And then you do it just with a, in, within your community. You have five or ten families that get together and do it. And the advantage of that is you've now taken your tax dollars away from the local school. So the local schools will finally start listening. You know, if a third of the class or half of the class doesn't show up, they lose their money. And they'll start responding to the parents. I would never participate in a school district that was holding my child hostage to something other than my child's welfare. I'm amazed if any parent to do that. So um, the uh, the doctors that are uh, risking their license and everything else for uh, hydroxychloroquine. I am on hydroxychloroquine right now. Everyone in my family has had covid. I either have and it didn't affect me at all or i haven't had it i'm the only one in the family that started taking it uh, uh, before symptoms started is there a chance that this is uh, helping me Uh, because i'm the i'm i have immune disorder and everything else and i'm the only one after four weeks that doesn't that doesn't have it So I hear this all, I'm just laughing because it's ludicrous. I hear this all the time. Yes, if it was just you, Glenn, then we would say we don't know. But we see this all the time. All the time. It's, you know, <laughs> I don't know what to say. The science is there. You know, my website, as you know, got taken down, but it's up and it will be better than ever with all the information people can decide for themselves. And, you know, of course, what it's you not th- just you. What do you think about Fauci? He came out um, this weekend 
uh, during a congressional hearing, I think it was on Friday, and he said that the Henry Ford Health System study that found hydroxychloroquine cut COVID-19 death rate significantly was a flawed trial. He said it was published a non-controlled retrospective cohort study that was uh, co-founded by a number of uh, uh, confounded by a number of uh, issues, including the fact that many people who received hydroxychloroquine were also receiving cortical uh, uh, steroids, which we know from another study gives clear uh, benefits, blah, blah, blah. So the study is flawed. The the Henry Ford Health System in Detroit said, no, it's not. It was peer reviewed. Uh, we did 2,500 patients. 13% of those treated with hydroxychloroquine uh, alone died compared to the 26% that were not treated with hydroxychloroquine. Do you believe, yes. have you seen the study from uh, from Henry Ford? And do you believe it? Yes. Yes. No, the Detroit Henry Ford study was one of the very best studies that were done at, at this time. And it was it was really an excellent study. And I find it ironic that he would say that a month after it's been published. And I would share with your listeners something interesting. That study was so promising for hydroxychloroquine that it was delayed about six weeks before it was published. Now, isn't that something? Usually when something comes out about COVID, it comes out at lightning speed. It comes out within days before it's published because it's big news. So the Detroit scientists were not able to do a press release about it until it was accepted into a journal. A journal didn't accept it for about six weeks. And then when they did, they did a press release the Friday before July 4th. I'm going to give you all of that. It, 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 was, hmm. it was a very solid study. I don't understand if Fauci believed that, why he waited a month to say that. That's, it was an excellent study. And let me share with you that the ones that were retracted were fraudulent. When you look at how they were done, it wasn't possible to have been done. Right. And others have used lethal or toxic doses of hydroxychloroquine. Let me emphasize that the only findings, the only studies that found hydroxychloroquine didn't benefit were studying the drug late in the disease or using lethal or toxic dosages of the drug or using the drug in monotherapy without zinc. All of the negative ones. Hydroxychloroquine was one of the only ones that did a late study properly. And they found 50% cut in mortality. And when it's done early, it cuts mortality. It cuts mortality almost basically to zero. Well, I'll be interested to see how uh, what happens with me because I've been sleeping right next to my wife. She's got it horribly. Uh, she had it for five or six days, had a high fever and everything else uh, before, you know, and I didn't have anything. We both got home, started taking all of the same medications. I've been taking it now for over a week and I feel fine. She does not yeah. feel fine. Um, it's, yeah. it's interesting to watch. Uh, doctor, thank you so much. And uh, best of luck right. to you. We'll talk again. Thank you. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Lauren Culp is uh, with us now. He is currently the chief of police uh, in Republic, Washington. Uh, before that, he served as a narcotics uh, detective. Uh, he served uh, the, in the military. Then he ran a construction business for 20 years. And then he got into police work. Um, and he is running in the Washington state primary tomorrow. He is leading the Republican field. And uh, what chance do you have, Loren, in a 
in a in a in a state like Washington state, are there enough people that still believe in common sense in Washington? Good morning, Glenn. It's great to be with you. Yes, I believe Thank there you. are enough people <laughs> that believe in freedom and liberty. And that's the message that I'm spreading all over the state. You know, we've got yeah, a bunch I- of people that have been in politics forever running against me and I'm leading the pack by a long ways. I saw uh, your platform, uh, Addiction, Mental Health, Individual Freedom, Liberty, Smaller Government, Lowering Taxes, Support for Veterans and Police, Reducing Overregulation. You are a man out of time right now. Yes, sir, I am. And the message, though, is resonating not just with conservative-minded people, but with Democrats, believe it or not. They are sick and tired of what the far left is doing, what our governor, who is a far leftist, what he's doing to our state, you know, the homelessness, the drugs, the crime, the riots, uh, the lockdown, they're getting sick and tired of it. You know, a lot of Democrats own businesses. They don't like the lawlessness. You know, they want law and order just like everybody else. And I'm spreading this message to 400 to 2000 people multiple times a day. I usually do two to four rallies, um, live events and all over the state. And I've got 400 to 2,000 people showing up at my rallies. No other, none of my other competitors are doing that. And the message is resonating across the political aisle because I explain about our Constitution. I explain about the rule of law and that citizens are in charge, not the elected public servants. And it's, it's blown up. I mean, it has absolutely blown up. You know, nobody wants to deal with a governor who acts like our nanny or our dictator, you know, telling us that we have to stay home and go broke, you know, and they're fining people. You know, he's, he's weaponized uh, departments in the state government that are not law enforcement, but they're going out and fining people. Um, tens of thousands of dollars. There's a barber right in Snohomish County that the state has fined him $90,000 because he cuts one person's hair at a time. But you can go to a big box store or an abortion clinic or a pot shop here in Washington and be among hundreds of people. It's, it's absolutely lunacy. So how are the, how are the, because I, I grew up in Washington state and Seattle's always been crazy and they've had a statue of, who was it Stalin or Marx uh, for a long time. Um, but it wasn't this crazy. Uh, but there were towns like when I was there, Sumner and Puyallup and, and, uh, um, you know, Mount Vernon and Skagit County, all these these areas that I grew up in that were farmers and they were they were common sense. But this is in a time when Bellevue wasn't crazy either. Uh, how, how, how the state seems to be overrun with Marxist. That's a wrong perception. Well, they are definitely the loudest. And they're the ones that the media panders to and puts on TV all the time. But the we, the people, you know, the farmers. I'm in Skagit County as I'm speaking to you right now. I had a rally mm. in Skagit County. Had about 450, 500 people at it last night. Um, the mm. common people, you know, the people that work for a living, that make things in this country, that build businesses. Um, they're all across the political spectrum, right? Democrat, Republican. But the message of individual freedom and liberty is is loud and clear, and those folks are standing up this time. 
uh, we have a really good shot of getting rid of Jay Inslee. Because like I said, even Democrats are sick and tired of what he's doing. You know, they, they come to my rallies, they email me. And the message that I have of, of getting our government back within the confines of the Constitution and the rule of law, uh, once that happens, then everyone is protected equally under the law. That's the way our country was set up. It doesn't matter your skin mm-hmm. color. It doesn't matter your age, your sex, your education, or anything. Everyone is protected equally under the law. And that's what's so great about a republic, which we are founded as. So what should Inslee be doing right now other than, you know, knowing that a major portion of a, of, uh, of his state, Seattle, was under attack and they had actually lost several city blocks. I mean, it was amazing when he didn't know that um, uh, during that press conference. But what should he be doing right now? If you were governor, what would you be doing to stop the madness? Well, I, say, I talk about this all the time at my rallies, Glenn, uh, to the audience. I tell them that, you know, what he did is totally wrong. You know, he's violating our, our constitutional rights. And Washington State has some specific uh, amendments in it. Article 1, Section 7 says that no citizen shall be disturbed in their private affairs. And I'm amazed that a lot of people have never even heard that before because we're not taught about the Constitution and the rule of law in school. But that will change when I become governor. Uh, but James was trampling on everyone's rights. And what I would do immediately, if I took over right now, um, I would open everything. You know, I would have never decided who's going to win and who's going to lose. I would have never issued his stay home, go broke order. I would have had press conferences with the medical professionals to explain to the citizens what's going on, what we should do to protect ourselves, what might happen if we don't and make sure the supply chain is as open as possible for the medical supplies that were needed, and then let free individual citizens decide what's best for themselves, their family, and their business. Because that's how you are a governor over free Americans, and that's what we are. We just need to stand up and take our freedom back from this tyrant that's sitting there with you right now. That assumes that people are responsible enough anymore. Um, I mean, our government doesn't trust the american people Uh, that's the reason we have these lockdowns and these debates over masks and everything else because they keep changing their mind on what we're supposed to do etc etc instead of just giving us the information and allowing us to do the right thing expecting us to do the right thing because we're americans and we always do are the people of america are they responsible enough anymore well, I, I've gotten asked that a couple of times, you know, and I've had people make the comment, well, I don't trust my fellow citizens enough to just give them advice and expect them to do the right thing. And my response to them is, well, you don't trust your fellow citizens to do the right thing, yet you travel down a state highway at 60 miles an hour with nothing between you and your fellow citizens other than a five-inch strip of yellow paint. We have to take uh, back our rights. We have to stand up for ourselves. And the governor is put in place to run the executive branch of the state government. Not every aspect of our lives, not every aspect of our businesses. We are free Americans, and we just need to stand up and realize that and take back our freedoms. What do you do about, I mean, the city of Seattle is now teaching anti-white 
propaganda. Um, what do you do? Does does the governor is he able to stop that? What do you do about the the schools that are that have just gone crazy with with Marxist? Well, th- that's pretty simple. I mean, uh, on its face, what we're going to do when I'm governor is allow parents to have a choice where their children are educated, whether they want to go to a different school district or they want private school, homeschool, and I want the money to follow the child. That will create competition between all the schools. You know, just like in the private sector, if you own a business and someone opens a business down the road, you have to raise your standards. You have to be better than your competition. So by allowing parents to decide where their children are going to go to school and having the money follow the child, that's going to create competition all across the board in our education system, and parents will be in charge, and they should have been in charge all along of where their children are going to be educated. And the city of Seattle educating the city workers uh, that you're inferior if you're white? Right. Yeah, the city of Seattle has gone off the deep end. They're, they're total Marxist, total socialists that are running the city of Seattle. It's absolutely sickening. Um, but apparently the people of Seattle keep on voting them in. And um, if they do not follow state law, like these, these riots, you know, Chaz and Chop or whatever the heck they're calling it now, uh, when that got out of hand, our governor, Jay Inslee, sent in the National Guard when the local law enforcement and the state patrol called for backup. But he disarmed them before he sent them in there to a violent situation. You know, they were burning and they were, they were murdering people. There was assaults all kinds of crimes, and our governor sent our young men and women into a violent situation without the ability to protect themselves or other people. I will not do that. I've been in the military. I've served. I have trained. I went to drill sergeant school at Fort Leonard, Missouri, where I helped to train civilians into soldiers. I know the training that they have. I will never, ever send our young men and women into a violent situation without the means to protect themselves and other people. And they would have gone in there and help local law enforcement to shut those riots down. You have been outspoken against 1639, which is Washington initiative to uh, uh, take guns away from uh, citizens. Washington has some of the strictest gun uh, control. And you said you would not enforce that. If you're governor, what do you do with, with guns? Yes, sir. I stood up for citizens' rights back in 2018 against that anti-gun initiative. Um, before there was an election, nobody was even thinking about a run for the governor's office. And that led me to being on the national news. And I wrote a number one best-selling book called American Cop. It went to number one, and that led me to being invited around the state to Republican Party Lincoln Day dinners and sportsman shows, talking to citizens groups about our rights and responsibilities. And that led to people asking me to run for governor. You know, I'm, I'm not the establishment pick. I'm not the party pick or the media pick. I was asked by citizens to run, and that's why I threw my hat in the ring uh, to help to take this state back. I've got two grown sons and seven grandkids that live right down by Olympia, Washington. And if I didn't, you know, at the age of 59, I, I felt, and I talked to my wife, Barb, of 43 years about this. If I didn't jump in with both feet and, and try to help to turn this state around, I would regret it for the rest of my life. And I, I do not like to live with regret. So that's what has led me down this path to running. You know, besides, I'm the only military veteran that's running, ran my own business for over 20 years, and realized my childhood dream at the age of 49 and became a police officer. 
there's a lot at stake here in this state, but I believe we can turn it around this time. Lauren Culp, he is running for uh, governor of Washington State. The primary uh, for the GOP is tomorrow, and uh, we wish you the best of luck, Lauren Culp. Thank, Thank you, you very you so much. much. My website is culpforgovernor.com. Got it. C-U-L-P for governor.com. Da, 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 da.